Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom, the Detroit Lions podcast here at MLive. He's Ben. I'm Kyle. Ben, it's uh, we're burning the midnight oil one last time. Episode five, the season finale just aired of Hard Knocks, which we've been tracking with the podcast and doing some reviews. Uh, podcast will revert to usual form, talking about all things Lions with guests next week. Until then, Ben, what did you think? Of the finale. I thought you and I were just talking off air and it sounds like you and I were both huge fans of it. Yeah, I I texted you that I thought this was the strongest episode of the series. It was also one of the shortest. I just felt like it was jam-packed to the point, tackled all the issues it needed to tackle and really offered that inside, in-depth, humanizing look that you want to see from Hard Knocks and especially when talking about Cut Day. You know, I was really curious what we were going to see tonight. Hard Knocks cameras left last Friday, I thought. So that was kind of different. It felt empty when we returned to Alan Park earlier this week, but I kind of, it was a super very real episode and what a strong as heck way to finish the series, I thought. Any episode that has ostrich boots in it (laughs) is good with me. (laughs) (laughs) That was fantastic. What a fit. I hope he rolls into Ford Field for week one like that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was just, it was too good. I actually, I've never been inside that shop, but I actually do recognize it. It's in Southwest Detroit in Mexican town. I I think I might have to drop by now (laughs) because I don't know if I could pull off white cowboy hat, but um, I'm intrigued. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Yeah. No, but but joking aside, Ben, I you know you and I have done been doing this for years. I've been through ten of these now, ten cut days. Mm. That's that's hundreds and hundreds of players who have lost jobs. And I guess when you do it so many times, and fans they see it every year too, it gets normalized in some way. And I I think in the NFL and in football in general, there's some dehumanizing that goes on. And I don't know if it's because they play behind armor and face masks or what, but it's a brutal game. It's violent. It's a, it's an incredible game. But there's some dehumanization that goes on. I think along the way, and we see that manifested um, in cut week. And it's just so easy to see these things as transactional items. And I guess for me, Ben, this episode was very instructive in that it reminded me the human carnage left in its wake, the real world implications of a guy having his dreams shattered. And for some guys, it's for one day and they're back on the roster the next day. For some guys, you know, they make a practice squad or a a team somewhere else. For some of these guys, this is it. And it was a little humbling for me to watch that and to be reminded that these guys have dreams and families and have been giving 
everything to this game and to come up short is hard. And you flip it around and you, know, you have Dan Campbell talking to players he loves, guys like Tom Kennedy, guys like Godwin Iguibuque, guys who have bled for him. And he has to look them in the eyes and say, thank you, but you're not good enough. Everyone understands the deal, Ben. And I think the Lions, I think Holmes and Campbell do a good job of keeping it real with players throughout the process rather than amping them up. And I think that helps prepare them for this day. They, I think a lot of players already know where they stand going into that day, but still it's a tough day on both sides of that table. And getting to see those conversations to me, Ben, was hard knocks at its best. And I wasn't always in love with what they did this season, but I thought episode five was really a masterful way to wrap up the season for hard knocks yeah and like you said it's just so easy to get lost in the transactional items when you live in like the auto notification world of just cut this cut that and i think yeah obviously we get that we love that inside look but i think campbell's just experience as a player and you know it's so easy to write about the former player as a head coach and just like expect that to work but you got to see how he kind of harnesses that experience into his coaching abilities just saying having played i can still put myself in their shoes on this day i've sat in those seats he's literally sat in those seats in that building he's been through the grind like you said it's just a rare humanization of the nfl and it was just it was fascinating to see them like when tim boyle walks in and brad holmes is right to the point they hog he sits down we're gonna have to release you right into the conversation they did that with a couple other guys i mean that was pretty intense i mean tom kennedy is just sitting there listening and Campbell telling him how he did everything. Big Dan Skipper, that was emotional right there. I mean, he 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 had a hard time getting through that. Just like if there's anything else I can do, and like you said, just putting a face on those cuts. Like Bruce Hector is a guy that doesn't get talked about, and he's literally sitting there. What else could I have done to make this team? And Campbell says nothing. And I mean, it's just we hear like it's just a numbers game on the radio, on TV, and press conferences all the time. But to see how they have to explain that to a guy like that was just fascinating and it just kind of showed the appeal to these guys running the show here and their ability to be relatable and connect with these guys in brutal moments like that there was a moment ben after sometime shortly after holmes's first season as gm and i know campbell's in on these conversations too but i'd asked home brad holmes after his first year as a gm a lot of his responsibilities align with what he's done before one of the ones that are very different is obviously actually being the guy cutting players and i had asked him what that was like and how he handled it and I thought it was his, his response was really interesting. And this is a year ago, so I'm paraphrasing. Certainly, but he basically just said, you have to keep it straight with them. Let them know where they stand at every step along the way. And then that way, guys don't feel... They don't feel attacked. They don't feel surprised. They don't feel like they're getting got, that they've had the rug pulled out underneath them. I know there were some complaints about that with Bob Quinn, the previous GM. I've heard that directly from players before. You don't really hear that with guys so much these days. And I thought it was pretty interesting to hear guys on the way out the door thanking them for keeping a real guy. like Guys like Jared Davis giving them a, a hug and saying, thank you. I appreciate you guys. And I see what you're doing. Obina Eze, the offensive lineman, did the same thing. A couple of the guys that I'm not recalling offhand, but I thought that was a reflection of the professionalism and the respect that Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have brought to that table and, and that they're getting in return. And that's just not a relationship that we saw in a healthy way previously. One of the cuts that stood out to me, Ben, that I wanted to spotlight was Tom Kennedy, of course. And to me, Tom Kennedy spotlight the good and the bad of Hard Knocks. I wish, uh, you know, they have such great powers with their ability to put microphones and cameras all over the place where you don't typically have them. And I, it gave me, it, it made me want 
more insight into players like Tom Kennedy and Hard Knocks wasn't doing enough of that. They spent too much time on Odysseys following Khalil Pimpleton, who had no shot to make the team, and Eze, who had no shot to make the team, while ignoring the basically the entirety of the roster bubble, unless you want to include Craig Reynolds on the bubble. And I didn't really. Yeah. I thought he was safe, which he was. But and then you have a guy like Tom Kennedy, and that's just like a made-for-TV kind of story where it's a guy who's not that big and not that fast, former lacrosse pro who's like try- literally trying to change sports, <laughs> like sticks around in the practice squad for a bunch of years, plays his way into the team, Ben, last year with a big preseason. They stacked the deck against him this year with the acquisitions they made at receiver, and still he didn't go away. He was so good in training camp and in the preseason. You could see the limitations physically, and you wondered if that would stack up with an improved roster, and Dan Campbell was always pretty honest about that. Yeah, how do you say no to a guy who continues to make plays when you do give him a chance to make plays? And so this is what Campbell said to Kennedy. I just want to get your reaction on Ben because I thought it was, I just thought it was good. And it spoke to the tenderness of some of these conversations. And again, the human wreckage that I mentioned before. Campbell says to Kennedy, there ain't nothing else you could do. You did everything you could possibly expletive do. You put it on tape and it's all out there. And we got to go another way. So I hate it because you earned it. You expletive earned it and it falls into what about body type what about true outside receiver what about special teams and so it was a move we felt like we had to make ben what did you make of the way that conversation went down that's just i mean exactly like what you said the goal of holmes and campbell in these tough moments is just to shoot guys straight i mean i i don't know what tom kennedy could possibly be thinking after hearing that said to him what do you mean there's nothing else i could do i mean he's obviously the stats he put out there the tape he put out there i mean even making plays on special teams and i mean and then you're hearing the head coach say it it's just like i mean he lays it out there he's it's a body type thing it's an outside receiver type thing it's the limitations on special teams it's a move we felt like we had to make man and that's like you, you see it later in the episode i forget the staffer's name but checking on Dan Campbell after the two days of cut day and he just he's you could just hear it in his voice the energy's gone it's just like man those are the worst two days of the year right there and it's just like you can reading that transcript here and you read it back you you can just that's that's a from the soul tough humanizing real thing to show right there and it's just it's so weird to see that as our most in-depth look at Tom Kennedy but at least they broached that subject a little bit at least we got a little taste of that thankfully that was one of the featured cuts there today but uh yeah just uh that's that's deep man it's really deep kennedy just sat there and took it and i don't know what you think from that again it goes to my point that i think the lions coaches have done a great job of keeping it real to to sum it up you don't hear about a lot of guys getting surprised by hey they were telling me one thing and then they did another i mean that's something you hear about in the nfl certainly something we heard about with matt patricia and bob quinn we heard it repeatedly (laughs) And we just don't with these guys. And I'm sure there's hard feelings and I'm sure there's guys out there who think they got wronged by these guys that they earned a spot and were bounced anyway. That's going to happen in a competitive business. And it's a big reason why when you go to any practice, it's fierce as hell. The competition is just some of the best you can see in all of sports because these guys know it's a game of inches. It's close and you got to go all out all the time. You're just not going to make it, not going to win a job. And that's what makes this game compelling this time of year. And part of what makes compelling cuts like these, despite the difficulty, right? The stuff that we're talking about. What else talked to you about about this episode? I I definitely thought it was the best 
episode of, of the five we got out of Hard Knocks. It, it started strong for me with setting the stage with Campbell in episode one. We got into some player action in episode two, and I really liked that. We saw a little bit of Aiden Hutchinson, Malcolm Rodriguez, that whole Rodrigo story arc, which was, I think, one of the real highlights of the whole show. And then it meandered into a place I didn't really like in three and four before finally circling back in a, I mean, just using the powers for good in, in, in the fifth episode, Ben. What did you think? Man, I just, I know we complained about some of the player features, but I will give them credit for at least the Obina Ize story kind of coming full circle there. They had some nice moments there in the meeting room with Helms and Campbell. And I really enjoyed the the Hank Fraley sending him down and talking to him. And that was just a, that's a great scene. And you, if you just, this isn't a scholarship kid, you're not guaranteed to be here for the year. You got to earn this day in and day out. Just kind of, I mean, it had been like a sports center, not top 10 highlight the last two weeks for Ize on that show. So it was nice to see him kind of it was just a really nice moment. And then I liked the Rod Wood stuff, honestly, him sitting in the meeting room with Campville and Holmes and this kid's second most requested Jersey. And just Campbell's reaction was just fantastic. I got to, I wrote that down. He just really no bleep. Wow. Wood says we created a monster behind him. Dot, dot, dot 97. They, no, this is definitely here. They know their mistake too, Ben. You can hear it because they've gone from pumping the kid up every time you ask about him yeah. because he's playing really well to now it's every time you ask about him, they're like trying to pump the brakes. Yeah. It's a total like about face with how they handle Malcolm Rodriguez. And I understand like, I do too. like since we're on the topic of things we learned in this on Hard Knocks, like for me, like we already saw with our own eyes that he was trending up. So Hard Knocks, the first episode aired, it was the week after the Intrascod scrimmage at Ford Field. Like I already saw, he looked like he was practicing well and people were talking well about him. It just felt like camp speak to me, which can get weary. Um, but then we went to the scrimmage and he started. He was with the starters. And I'm like, whoa, holy shit. Look at this sixth round pick, like running with the ones already, like two weeks into camp or whatever it was. And then Hard Knocks rolls out and we get those meeting room conversations between Kelvin Shepard, the position coach, challenging the linebackers. Hey, you got a sixth round pick in this room and he's out playing all of you. That was really compelling stuff. That's way different than getting coach speaker to podium saying, X player is looking great or is in the best shape of his life or has a chip on his shoulder or all these other like cliches that we hear about Ben. And he just kept soaring up the depth chart and practicing well. And I remember going down to Indy, standing 15 feet away from him, doing really impressive stuff against the Colts and really instinctual. And it was cool to see his story at come art come full circle. And as you said in this episode, he's got the number two selling jersey. I, I think the Lions realized that them talking so highly about the guy paired with the hard knock stuff that expectations probably have outpaced where he's at. And I think it's important to remember that he is a six round pick. He is a rookie. He's probably going to start against the Eagles, but expectations should be set accordingly because he's not going to go out there and be Zach Thomas on day one. He's going to need some time and experience. He's going to make mistakes. He's a six round pick for a reason. The good news is that he's talented enough to be out there. He's talented enough to be out playing other guys at that position, a position in Detroit that's been derelict now for way too long. Yeah, no doubt. Another thing I, I love kind of how they showed the inside stuff for Craig Reynolds too. I mean, like we said, we both, neither of us really thought he was on the bubble, the roster. We were proven right in that. I mean, I just loved hearing Campbell be so real, just saying he's dependable, but then you see these deficiencies athletically that show up. He's good enough, but he's not dot, dot, dot. And it's just, that's the stuff we've been hearing in press conferences like this guy is he 
is he might not have the, he's got the will and the desire and the motor, but he's not talented enough. And it's really interesting to see him weighing that with Craig Reynolds being like, there are some athletic deficiencies that keeps him on an option. But at the same time, him and Aaron Glenn are talking about him being a potential three down option down the line right there. So I just, uh, I I really enjoyed that stuff. It just, like you said, HBO flexed the muscle on this last one. Obviously we did disagree with some of those bubble guys, but I just think Reynolds and Eze, it was just, it was a nice bow on those arcs for sure. I, um, in talking about the things we learned from Hard Knocks, I really enjoyed watching the hard coaching that went into DeAndre Swift as well. Again, it's just a lot of the best parts about Hard Knocks is that it confirms or gives some kind of nuance or human element to the things you already know mm. are happening. There's not usually a lot of things that are totally shocking. And Swift is a good example of that. We knew contextually that the Lions were riding that guy hard. He's so talented, yet He's been so beaten up, particularly in training camp. He hadn't really done much of anything in his first two training camps in Detroit. The Lions had to start Adrian Peterson half of his rookie year because he missed so much time on the practice field as a rookie. And there was some frustration. That was before the current regime, but there were some frustrations back then even that maybe he could be doing more. I know there were some frustrations last year with DeAndre Swift too, that he could do more. I think part of that is the injury stuff, wanting him to play through. And even Deuce Daly's talked about it on the record saying that Swift needs to learn the difference between like being injured and playing hurt. And it's a fine line. And a guy like Deuce, I think is a good carrier for that message as a guy who played the position has some cachet with players and then you see it you see it in a very real way ben where deuce is going after swift in the film room going back and forth on this cut up of a practice play where swift is at the second level of defense he's on the right boundary he crosses across the 10 yard line He's the shadow of the goal line, one man to beat Deshaun Elliott and just steps out of bounds. And, you know, maybe that's a game he plays it differently. Maybe he's making a business decision in practice. I don't know. But either way, like, that's not what you want to see. And Staley let him have it and let him have it good. And it was really interesting to see because we hear a lot of good stories about this coaching staff and how effective they are when it comes to player development and motivation and all this stuff. But you have to be a hard ass in this game sometimes. It's a hard game. It's a violent game. And to see the coaches firsthand going after their players in that kind of hard way and getting the most out of them and seeing the health of those like relationships, you got to have a healthy relationship with a player like Swift to be able to coach him that way for me was, was really compelling. Yeah. And it's just, it added so much context to these coaches that we felt like we got to know through this first year. And then, like you said, with Deuce and we got Dan Campbell all over the place. Kelvin Shepard was one of the stars of this series for sure. I mean, he just, his moments in the coaching room, his moments on the practice field, just just standout stuff. Aubrey Pleasant got a little of that spotlight today. I found the stuff with Trace Lucas really entertaining. Just, I hope y'all don't cut me. Don't cut me. Don't cut me. And then he's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, it's really cool to see how the coach reacts in that point. Nope. Just keep doing what you're doing, kid. And then like Lucas all of a sudden is talking about how great he can be someday and Pleasant's not feeding into it. Just saying there's an opportunity there. It's just, that's the stuff that like we could never like think about seeing during the season. So it's just great to see like how how do you respond to that the actual bubble player that went into that cut day with his fade on the line, a seventh round rookie? I hope y'all don't cut me. Please don't cut me. I want to be here. I just think that adds a lot of layers to the things we hear, to the things we write about, to the things we talk about. And just it was great to get a lot more context on this coaching staff. Yeah, I with Chase Lucas, I really did enjoy that was a nice, I don't know subplot that they've rolled out in the last couple episodes and I, I enjoyed his personality and getting to know him a little bit more he certainly is a high energy infectious <laughs> kind of guy and you have to think that probably went into his chances to make the team some of those intangibles that he brings to the back end of the roster 
but I enjoyed earlier in camp, he dropped the pick, could have been a pick six, according to his coach, <laughs> in the season, in the preseason opener. And that was a tough thing for him. I know he dwelled on it a lot. He talked about it a lot. As a guy who's on the bubble, he knows a play like that can make or break his chances. And instead of getting down on himself, he comes back in the very next practice and after dropping the pick in the preseason opener, goes out there and makes a spectacular high-pointed interception in the end zone on a ball intended for Khalif Raymond. And he goes up, he skies up, high points the football, comes down with it. It was a great play. It was a nice little redemption story. I think we all wrote about it that day <laughs> in our camp observation, just because of the redemption that occurred for a seventh round pick. What we didn't know, Ben, that we now got to see contextualized in this our next episode was Dan Campbell giving him a hard time in the <laughs> post-practice huddle about because it happened right at the end of practice. It was like maybe the last sequence mm-hmm. of practice. And they huddled up and Campbell always gives a little speech uh, and then sends him off the field. And he's uh, just giving Lucas a hard time. Hey, Lucas, uh, uh, now, were you going to bring that out? <laughs> Looks like we're going to bring that out. <laughs> Did you bring that out? <laughs> and I enjoyed that. It's a, it, I liked how he turned that into a teaching moment, even in a, obviously a redemptive period for Chase Lucas. No, for sure. And I think they ended it well with Campbell talking about the moment that made him the most proud hanging the last season when he tried taking Panay Sewell off the field and got mother effed up and down by a rookie. And when he said it about brought a tear to my eye, I was like, all right, just roll it to black right now. We're done. But so just, that's the note I wanted to get in. I really enjoyed that. Uh, what'd you think of the kind of the final statements the 2022 Detroit Lions are? What'd you think about that ending and Dan Campbell's 45-minute pause? <laughs> So here's the thing on that that I thought was interesting. And I thought about this. I don't know, maybe it's just the creative person inside me. It doesn't really mean anything, but I just thought the symmetry of them opening hard knocks before even the opening credits rolled in the very first episode with this epic, bombastic speech from Dan Campbell, right? Like he (laughs) just person up a a storm. He's quoting Metallica. He's riffing about like deep sea diving. Like it's just all over the map and also inspiring, by the way. I mean, it was like, it it was high octane, high caffeine for sure, which was (laughs) those speech. And this is all before the opening credits. It's two minutes long or something. (laughs) Like what super viral. It's like one of the most viral moments of this whole episode. This this is how the whole show opens. It's holy crap. The opening credits haven't even rolled yet. And my hair is already blown back by Dan Campbell. (laughs) The Dan Campbell experience. And I love that after opening the series that way, they close the series by going back to Dan Campbell. They're just doing a little one-on-one with him. He's not with the team or anything. And they asked him, the 2022 Detroit Lions will be dot, dot, dot. And he sat there and I counted, I I looked at it, 51 seconds in dead silence, which in TV time is 17 years. It feels like forever because you're just staring at his face while... Like his mouth doesn't move and his eye is twitching. And like, you can tell there's like a deep thought process going on. He's trying to figure out the best way to go, but it takes him almost a minute to say anything. And then finally he says, there are a number of ways that I can go with that. And then he says the 2022 Detroit Lions will be the team that can and will, which doesn't mean anything. And it's gobbledygook. It's definitely ambiguous, but I don't know. This team is kind of ambiguous, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. people who think they're going to win four games. There's people who think they could be a wild card contender. I think we're like somewhere in the middle between you and I. And, you know, as we approach the opener on Sunday against the Eagles, we'll have our game by game predictions. We're both pretty high. I think we both think they could be right around 500, maybe even above it. Yep. 
goes right. They could be in the wild card mix, but who really knows? The defense has a lot of questions yet. The secondary, I don't believe in, particularly at cornerback. Linebacker play, for me, and I know everyone loves Rodrigo at this point, but I can't help but think rookie six-round pick and wonder, once the film gets out, especially week two, week three, week six, once he sees the Packers for the second time, the Vikings... Yeah. What are these professionals going to do to a guy who dropped to the sixth round? And maybe he'll, like, hey, like, no, really? guys in the sixth round who have played well too, but we'll see. To me, it's been an ambiguous team that we don't really know what's going to be. So in some ways, what Campbell said for me still worked, even if it was nonsense. I just kind of like the symmetry of the way they opened the series and the way they closed it was two very different sides of Dan Campbell. I've never seen Dan not say anything for 50 seconds. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was like, you see like brief, like microcosms of that for five seconds during a press conference. But I mean, like at the midway point, I was like, all right, you got to say something. And then at the end, I was like, man, you've really brought me in and made me care about what you're going to say. And then it's the team that can and will. And I was like, damn it, that was not worth the wait. But it was still a great moment. That's genuine thought. I mean, the dude is very intentional, very intentional. So he wanted to, yeah, just, uh, it, I'm, I'm with you. Great tone end from three, three toes and one ass cheek. I'll beat your ass to deep in contemplation. <laughs> the many, the many sides of the Dan Campbell experience. <laughs> It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> ben, good stuff. I've enjoyed doing the hard nights thing. I'm going to really enjoy taking a break from it. No <laughs> offense, but these long nights are something. We've got the season opener coming up. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Mm. quick. Quick prediction. Give me the elevator pitch. What do you see happening on Sunday? Man, I, I, I do have the Lions losing the season opener, but I don't have it being a 44 to 6 blowout this time. My gosh, what a just rough, disastrous game that was. But Philly's loaded. That secondary's loaded. That defensive line is loaded. We'll see what Jalen Hurts is. I think the, one of the big keys are preseason offenses are vanilla, but the Lions really had a hard time with mobile, fast quarterbacks. So like you said, the previous segment, that linebacker play is going to be big on day one, big on day one. But I do think the Lions are going to be able to keep it close. I don't think it's a blowout. I don't think it's one of those games where they fight back and make it close at the end, but I do think it's a loss to start the season against a good NFC East team. Re remind me to teach you what an elevator pitch is. Yeah, I started saying I, that I, in the middle I, of my head there, too. I got off like 20 floors ago, bro. I <laughs> know <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a loss. A lot of good momentum and good juju and good vibes. But good vibes don't bring down Jalen Hurts. This team has struggled with running quarterbacks. I think he's really going to test what's happening on the edge. There's some youth out there. I forget, you know, I think we forget what how young Aiden is, Aiden Hutchinson. There's problems in the linebacker, new pieces there. I still don't believe in Jeff Okuda, even though I think there's reasons to feel optimistic. Yeah, I, I think the Lions will be much more competitive this year. I think this is, I just think this is a bad matchup for them. But it will be good to see real football. We will be back on the podcast next week, breaking down what happened in the opener, kind of looking forward to week two against the Commanders. So we'll have a guest back on the podcast, ideally, after going solo in the middle of the night the last few weeks. Ben, it's been great stuff. I've enjoyed it with you. Let's play some football. Hey, man, let's get to that regular season. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of M Live's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an M Live Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again. Thanks again.